and this is the Influence Watch podcast. It's the biggest story of the week in Washington. Following a nearly unprecedented breach of the Supreme Court's institutional security, Politico published a draft of a possible majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito that would overturn Roe v. Wade, returning questions of abortion regulation to the states. The leak of a draft opinion is essentially unheard of. Observers of the court and former clerks for the justices have largely wondered how it could even have happened given the court's need for institutional confidentiality and the justices' routine affirmations of it. And if the final ruling in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health looks like the leaked draft, the ramifications on public policy will be substantial. Joining me to discuss the leak and some implications of what we have seen are my colleagues Sarah Lee and Ken Braun. Uh, welcome back. Hi, Mike. Glad to be here. So my understanding is that a leak of this nature is essentially unprecedented. Is that also your your understanding? I can't imagine it ever happening before. Yeah, yeah I think I saw that the uh, Roberts has asked the, the marshal uh, to investigate <clears throat> and that that's basically why you know it's unprecedented because they're, you know, they're addressing it. I mean, we've had jury tampering at the you know, criminal court level before. Um, had, right, but the, the idea that the Supreme, I mean... Yeah, it's... it's it, like, the it's, you think about some of the cases that the Supreme Court has heard in terms of their political explosiveness, Bush v. Gore, um, uh, NFIB v. Sebelius, the Obamacare case, uh, the cases against Richard Nixon back in the 70s. What? You know, at no, po- at, at no point was anybody given a draft of a possible I will say this, that that the draft uh, leak is unprecedented, but I think Jonathan Turley mentioned in a piece that he wrote on it that at the time Roe was being decided, there were some leaks of certain parts of discussion, but certainly not an entire opinion like this. Yeah, and and it's, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's, it's hard to understate the impact of this. I think the people have a parties to a lawsuit have, have for a couple of centuries had a, a feeling that there would be kind of closed door deliberations outside of the whims of the mob. They would get a fair and impartial justice uh, look at what their what their case was, and this is a direct threat to that. Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting you bring up the mob because it's now been reported that some group called Ruth Sent Us is proposing to have marches on some of the justices' private homes. Yeah, when does obstruction of justice uh, become a thing here? I I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I don't have a license to steal, but I I, I have to wonder when, at what point does, does, are are we tampering with, 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 cases and and some serious crimes i mean i mean I'll, I'll say i'll say some of what i said after the riots at the capitol on january 6 2021 that 
you know, we there are procedural maximalisms that both sides have to leave on have to leave unused. And here, you know, on January sixth, we saw the right attempt, ultimately with you know, with riotous action, uh, engage in procedural maximalism, and now it seems entirely possible, certainly with the marches at the private homes, that now the that the left may be engaging in procedural maximalism that should okay, not be Okay, let me just employed. translate right. for our listeners. Procedural maximalism there means intimidation. <laughs> right. And January 6th is known as the January 6, 2021 was the day when the left like temporarily decided they liked the Electoral College and thought it needed to be defended. Yeah, I think that uh, what's interesting to me about this is that you know, to Ken's question, when do we start looking at something like obstruction of justice? First, I have to figure out who did it. I mean, that's that's the big question, right? And and the yeah. So who do, the question who, is who benefits? You know, I, from what this? was right? What was it? What was so very interesting in the you know when it happened when Politico drops? I want to say it was on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, the this draft opinion. One of the first people out of the gate who doesn't immediately express shock is Brian Fallon of Demand Justice. Which is also not shocking. <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to imply that he was, uh, had a part in this. Although it wouldn't shock me if he did, again, using that word. But his joy at the sort of... A breach of confidence at the highest court in the land is not shock. It's the least shocking part of this. And, and I'm, I guess I'm still not clear on what the uh, what the leakers' objective was. I mean, the the case was going. If, if, if we have- I mean, we we, suppo- we we suppose you know it's been widely su- speculated that there are sort of two possible motives. And it depends on whether the leaker is a liberal or a conservative. Sure. I mean, nobody assume nobody assumes that it was some public spirited independent. You know, sure. uh, uh, that if it was a conservative, that one of the justices who originally agreed with the draft has gone wobbly, sort uh-huh. of like uh, like John Roberts did in the Obamacare case, and might switch sides or might support a, a, a ruling that maybe it upholds the Mississippi Mississippi's laws of 15 is a ban on abortion after 15 weeks to station uh, that would uphold the, the 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 law but not go so far as to throw out Roe and Planned Parenthood v Casey its successor case in in, in Toto um, and so that maybe they put it out to you know to to stiffen stiffen the spine uh, the other possibility is it was liberal who did it and that they are that they, this is an act of procedural maximalism. That this yeah. is they want they want people in the streets. They want people going. But, you know they want sent us to. Yeah, and and I and I I, I you know I, I suppose option one is theoretically on the table. Although I mean I, I doubt. I, I just gut reaction. I don't think it was a conservative clerk that did it. Um, if it was, I I will stand by everything I've just said. Um, but if it's if it's done from the other direction, I, I don't understand what the procedural maximal. I mean, that you were going to get the ruling anyway. 
you were going to get the the outrage anyway. It would just happen. Well, the, next the, month the, the difference. Of this the, month. Well, the the difference is right now the case is not. Yeah, being I think down. the procedural yeah. differences. If I got this right from a Wall Street Journal article, the votes can't be changed. the 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 time period has passed. That's the end of April. But the opinion itself oh, can be okay. changed. I think that's right. Well, that's changing the votes. I mean, if it's a different opinion, you should be able to vote differently. That's just how I, I mean, how I read it. I There's a Wall Street Journal yeah, editorial I, 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 that talks about, and I can I can you know give you the the actual language. Yeah, if, if, if yeah, Sarah, if you could if you could send that send that for the show notes because I mean what there's a there's a theory in town that again goes back to the Obamacare case that. You know, then President Obama and the liberals engaged in a public pressure campaign against the so-called legitimacy of the court if the court did what it kind of sounded like it wanted to do and is, I mean, at this point, I think it's been widely reported that was prepared to do, which was to strike down Obamacare. Um, And, you know, the liberals sort of knew that, you know, the Obama administration, President Obama and Progressives knew this was something that might happen, so they engage in this public pressure campaign. And Roberts caves, mm. you know, and Roberts comes up with this saving construction that somehow the mandate is a tax, and therefore Obamacare stands. Uh, and so I get, I you know, like the the procedural maximalism here would be basically turning that up to eleven. Mm. You know, we're going to breach the institutional confidence of the court to try to create this. Popular, popular groundswell. So basically, justice uh, may be blind, but we're going to assume that it can hear, and, and therefore... Uh, yeah, it says here yeah. in the Wall Street yeah. Journal, the end of April is the customary, if unofficial date, so unofficial, inside the court for changing a vote. So the leak shortly after that date suggests the motive is to ramp up the outside pressure. So... It, and and no, that's that, why that, I mentioned Fallon there. You know, we since this is sort of in our wheelhouse. You know, Fallon is with Demand Justice, and Demand Justice is one of those groups that you know wants to pack the court and clearly was involved in the in the Kavanaugh debacle. You know, during his confirmation. And, so the fact that Fallon that not- was very excited about this again, I'm not I'm not implying he had anything to do with it, but it seems to be well, working in there in that favor. They were also, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they were the same group that more or less gangstered um, Justice Breyer out of the job as well. They certainly they certainly claimed yeah. credit for hounding Breyer yeah. into retirement. What I'm interested in, though, is I have seen a few articles. Uh, Turley is one. Um, Ed Whalen has written one. Actually, David French has a really good one. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's kind of left the reservation a little bit, but um, he has a good one in the Atlantic about the actual merits of Alito's opinion. And I think that's something nobody's, well, few people are really talking about, but you mentioned it before, Mike, that it just... Yeah, I'm actually, that actually is a great segue, Sarah. So obviously if the court rules as this draft suggests that it at least may be inclined to, that's a big deal. Like that, that fundamentally overturns how the court has treated abortion for half this a century. This has been for half a century. I was going to use that same phrase. Um, 
kind of a safe issue in a perverse sort of way. Politicians at, at the state level and even at the federal level have been able to run campaigns on both sides on some pretty extreme rhetoric. Um, you know, on the left, it, the you know abortion on demand everywhere all the time, Medicaid funding, the whole the whole nine yards there, and on the right the rhetoric of it's absolute murder and we're going, you know, everyone who does one ever should be, you know, treated like murderers and go to prison. And and I don't think any one of those are tenable with a broad swath of the electorate. And these folks are now going forward, not this election cycle. I don't think it's going to terribly affect this election cycle and we can get into that. But um, I think going forward, especially at the state legislative level, they're playing with real ammunition now on both sides in these campaigns where they have been able to get away with these statements are not going to work quite as well as they used to before. Um, you, people may hold them accountable to it and uh, it's going to, it's going to Royal politics in ways that I think it'll be aside from the generalities that I just said, really hard, to, really hard to, to follow to predict at this point. I would, I would argue some people think that's the way it should be, particularly on uh, this no, issue. Cause no I question. Think- I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think that, you know, the turning the issue back over to the states, which let's be clear, that's what it does. This Mm -hmm. whole notion, like you'll see some, uh, you know, some people on the left freaking out. What's going to what's going to be surprised, like the places where you've seen, you know, the most outrage, Los Angeles, where there were some some there was some rioting, as I as I recall reading, Uh, you know, there was mass demonstration, not a you know, a peaceful demonstration in New York that was addressed by uh, state officials. There was, um, you know, a, some labor unions and Planned Parenthood and some government officials in Illinois were going to have a rally. Um, you know, in those places, overturning Roe may have literally no effect whatsoever because of state because of state laws that already essentially but guarantee doesn't the opinion then abortion until basically shore up federalism to me that's the bigger point that's being made here yeah I mean that's what that's what it does it mm-hmm. says yeah. this is mm-hmm. a this is an issue that never should have been decided I, you know I've seen people even go so far as to say rhetorically they just sort of made up the constitutional sort of um, justification for Roe. Uh, they literally kind of crafted it out of thin air. And so this kind of returns it back to the states and sort of, you know, em- emphasizes federalism, which is a huge difference between the two political ideologies. It, it is effectively going to be what is the de facto, if not, you know, although not the in-law um, state of, of marijuana laws right now. States are doing whatever that they wish to and 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 the federal government is not enforcing it's prohibition right now. Um, they may get around to, at some point, lifting the federal prohibition entirely, which will be, on a marginal level, a good thing. But in a major level, the states that don't want to legalize are not going to legalize. The states that do want to legalize, I mean, you still it. you still have you you still have dry you still have dry counties. And that in a lot too, of yeah, it's kind of like goes back to alcohol prohibition as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's going to be so, interesting to see how it plays out, though, because. There's this freak out right now that like, oh, all these other, you know, rights that that we have, they're going to come after those. What happens when that doesn't happen, which we know is not going to happen? Things like I've even seen people say they're going to come after interracial marriage. Yeah. And I think (laughs) um, some of the groups that we cover and and watch um, 
for their influence on these matters are going to throw everything they got at this um, with some of those arguments. And it'll be, I think, I think an, an unprecedented amount of money is going to come from those quarters. Um, some of the, you know, maybe Emily's list, some of the super PACs on that issue. Um, and um, I mean, in, in the advocacy and facilitation of abortion space, frankly, Mackenzie Bezos, Susan Thompson sure. Buffett Foundation, yeah. Warren Buffett. And, and so big money, big advocacy is going to be spent in the next, what are we looking at here? This is May, so the next six months. Um, the the rubble of this after the election is over may be astonishingly very little difference for all of the money and the noise spent is, uh, I think, in the in this particular so, instance but like we discussed when it goes back to the states it's going to change the political dynamic in a lot of uh, um, a lot of purplish states anyway don't you think this might be setting it so, up too, for another fight over making sure like you mentioned all the money that's going to be spent in the next six months and i agree with you but i think this might be i could be wrong but it might be setting it up for years of a new fight over we've got to get abortion back at the federal level it needs to be federally legislated again. I can just see that I, fight happening. Just Chuck Schumer, Senate Majority Leader, is already said that he's going to put a federal codification of the Roe mm-hmm. liberal abortion regime on the Senate floor, I okay. think, next week. He's also the guy that can't get a marijuana legalization passed on the Senate floor. I, I have to wonder <laughs> if, if, if Democrats controlling everything can't get marijuana legalization passed what are they there for? Um, but uh, that's an excellent point. So, Ken, speaking speaking of speaking of what are people there for? Um, you know, there's been a lot of debate on the right about sort of the conservative intellectual movement and has it achieved anything and what did it conserve? And if Justice Alito's draft is what the final opinion ends up looking like. This seems like it would be a triumph for the conservative intellectual movement, for the Federalist Society, for, um, you know, Heritage Found, you know, groups like the Heritage Foundation that have advocated on this, have supported uh, the formation of, you know, lawyer, you know, of conservative lawyers and conservative judges and conservative legal argumentation. Uh, in many ways, for this principal objective to consign Roe to the dustbin of history. I agree. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think this would be a, a triumph for conservative intellectual uh, world. Some of the uh, group, some of those groups that are broadly conservative heritage, some, some of those um, certainly will, will justifiably crow uh, a great deal of victory over saying, we've been telling you for 50 years, Roe was bad law. And finally, some people that actually read the thing agreed um it, it, but on the flip side what happens to I, I guess the right to life groups begin to to become more of a guerrilla movement in in various states to to keep the uh to keep the or keep or, or pass the laws i mean they i mean in a, in where a, in, they go in a set in a sense they've you know their 50-year quest was to get yeah, to the starting true. line yeah. you know and now and and you know, in a place, I live in Maryland, you know, they're going to have a very uphill struggle 
trying to actually effect any improve even you know to say nothing of an outright prohibition but even something like a 15-week limit you know they have a massive uphill well struggle. and i wonder too what it's going to do to groups like planned parenthood who have i think planned parenthood has not been quite as powerful in the past couple of years that it's been in years past but it's still a powerhouse you know i don't and I, yeah go ahead i'm sorry let me step on you oh that's okay uh no it's all right um i'll be i'll be brief um, but I do wonder what they're going to do because at the same time the actual issue is federalized, the the fight will be federalized as well, as Ken keeps pointing out. So for a group that sort of depends on a national, uh, like Planned, Harem, Planned Parenthood, on a national message, how does that affect what they, what they do out in the States? And, and I'm uh, glad I let you finish that point because that goes right to where I was headed. Um, let's take Maryland, <laughs> for example. What if, what if, I mean, if they're strategic about it, a group like Planned, or not Planned Parenthood necessarily going the other way, uh, a right to life group in Maryland or Planned Parenthood in a, in a more red-ish state, um, could do a lot of, um, could, could have some successes playing on the margins of these issues and say, okay, Maryland, if you're a right to life group, Maryland right to life say, we're not going to get a, we're not going to get a flat abortion ban passed in this state. But now because of this law, we can kind of play in the middle here with people and say, okay, you're safe. Maryland's never going to outlaw this procedure. But let's talk about 15 weeks, 10 weeks, 20 weeks, or whatever, whatever lines you wish to draw and whatever emotional, whatever, whatever is politically pull at. And then it goes the what? other way for Planned Parenthood in a, say, Arkansas or something um, saying, all right, you, you, do you really want to full out ban this or can, is there a middle ground that we can, you know, a, a, a fallback place that we can surrender to? Which actually puts me in the mind you know, we've had an exodus from some of the blue states in the aftermath of the pandemic. That just occurred to me. Could abortion be an issue that brings some people back to their blue state? I don't know. You, you, you're thinking they're, they're all, all of the pandemic uh, refugees that are here in Florida are going to run back to New York? <laughs> I mean, I mean have, if they, have, if they live by their principles, the, they would. But, I mean, I don't know if they would. You have, I mean, but the, like the issue though is like what affects your day-to-day -day life and you have states like California, I mean, I believe Governor Newsom said that he's going to, you know, introduce legislation to yeah. pay for out-of-state people to come have abortions in California. Uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot put out a tweet saying, you know, if you need an abortion, Chicago is here for you. California uh, has that, that same effect. policy like, with homeless right now, so it's not terribly surprising that they do it with, with that. You know, I think uh, to, to switch analogies, I think more as far as its impact, um, it's more like gun control. It's something that the left thinks is a lightning rod rally everybody to the cause issue, and they'll make a lot of noise about it. But when it gets down to, aside from the maybe 10% on the margins that, you know, make this their sing signature issue. Most people, I don't think, go into a voting booth and worry about abortion, gun control, things of this. There are, like I said, largely the same groups of people in both cases. But, you know, every time there's a big gun control push by Democrats thinking this is the time, this is the time, they're kind of like the the uh, the Lucy and Charlie Brown football moment. It always It always fails, <laughs> and they don't get the... I mean, I mean, and you'll, and you'll get, you know, this kind of goes back to your, like, you know, what if, 
you know, are advocacy groups at the state level going to be strategic? And you go, you know, the obviously like the Brady campaign and uh, mm-hmm. every town, Mike Bloomberg's group have gotten, you know, more of what they want in places like New York and California and Maryland. Um, and even, and the, you know, the gun rights groups have been, you know, more on defense, on the defensive um, in those states. But then of course you've got states like Florida and Georgia where they've had quite a, where the gun rights people have had and quite a bit been, of success. And it's again, been a, a, a historical, I mean, gun control, firearms freedoms over the last 30 years, ever since the concealed carry laws started getting passed. I mean, the, the gun laws of, People, uh, people on Twitter have made have made the right to carry the sort of historical advancement of right to carry the 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 ability to carry a con- uh, concealed or an open uh, handgun. You know, it's like the great counterexample to the people that's who an, say exactly, that conservatives that's what never I was getting anything. at. I mean, the, the abortion the, if Roe gets overturned, that's another one. But we've had a couple decades of uh, yeah of, of open carry and concealed carry laws showing the gun movement really i mean the, the nra is kind of falling apart right now but it really doesn't matter these open carry laws aren't going I, away i think but i think there's a fundamental truth here that we can't look overlook the second amendment is enshrined in the constitution it's a constitutional right and that's been one of the debates about this this row legislation is that they again they kind of sort of crafted it as a right uh, under what is it the fourth mm-hmm. amendment right the 14th amendment so, um, so yeah, so there's, uh, there, there is a fundamental difference between those two debates there. And I also think, I'm not disagreeing with you, Ken, um, but I do think they have spent 40 years in, sort of indoctrinating women mm-hmm. into this notion that this is, their, this is healthcare for them. And so now you have, I mean, immediately after this situation was leaked out and, or the, the opinion was leaked out and Politico reported it, you had young, probably mostly affluent white women at the steps of the Supreme Court screaming their heads off that this was, you know, a terrible thing. And so, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, will it just kind of uh, go out with a whimper? I, I, I sort of don't think it will. I think we're about to have another 20 years of crazy debate over this just in a different, just in a different theater, maybe at the, in the state theater. See, I think, I, th- I think, I think there's something, there's something to that. I mean, you just because like, as we've seen, you know, with just about every other, you know, political issue, you know, mm-hmm. if there's anything Americans are good at, it's fighting over mm-hmm. political issues, you know, the difference, again, I think the difference is that taking it out of the realm of the courts and putting it in the realm of legislatures, my hope, perhaps naive, is that it will make everybody a bit more serious. That, you know, that, that ultimately we are discussing real laws that will affect real people's lives and that there will be real consequences to them, uh, both in terms of real life and in terms of, you know, the electorate may decide that, you know, no, 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 you went to whichever side you are, you went Speaking too far. Speaking of consequences, you. do you think we're to uh-huh. get us back to where we began with this? Um, do you think future federal court nominees are going to have to answer the question of what should be done with people who leak deliberations of your chamber before the decisions are made i hope so we're 
were I a United I States would hope senator, so. I would make I, that I just a don't know that it, my question. I mean, it should happen. Um, <laughs> and also, uh, just back briefly on the subject of abortion again, although I think that's a fascinating question, Ken, and I, ho- I hope the answer is yes. Um, uh, but I do think, too, that um, – oh, gosh, I've lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> You guys, brilliance did out of me. Well, let me quote noted legal genius Adam Schiff on that point. I don't care how the draft leaked. This is that's a sideshow. So. Goodness gracious! Oh, oh, I know what I was going to say. The other thing this does the on the abortion situation, the abortion debate, um, is that it it depoliticizes the court in a way, which I think is a very very mm-hmm. good thing. We've been moving in a direction where. The court has become very politicized, the whole activist bench and all of that stuff. And I just, anybody on the right or the left who cares about sort of the rule of law knows that's a bad I, thing. I will. So. Yeah. I hope, I hope you're, I hope you're right. I'm concerned that it'll lead to, like, that, that the demand justices of the world will just go, out, turn their demands yeah. for court packing mm-hmm. up to 20. Uh, yeah. You, you know, we, you, we had every, we, they had everything they wanted. They're going to lose some of what they wanted and they're going to be mad as it, it will be nice it. though if we get to a, a a strange new world where uh abortion row all, all of these things that kind of dominate every supreme court nomination fight are no longer there i mean it's a it's a strange it's a strange <laughs> idea to think about but it's, it's it's perhaps one that will become very real the next time a nomination comes up so yeah, I think that what we can expect, honestly, in the next couple of years, if this does go through, there is going to be a concerted effort to get another abortion case before the Supreme Court. Like that, that's going to be happening very. You know, very though, but if if the states start hashing it out in state-like ways, like states do, and people, I mean, the broad majority of the electorate kind of gets used to that, which I think they probably will. Um, whether it's you know loud and acrimonious though it may be, it'll get you, they'll get used to the point where it's you know oh this is kind of like you know all those issues that we deal with at the state level and the impetus for having a Supreme Court decision overruling the one that we think we're going to get here, I think the air will come out of that. I, I don't know that this is like 1973. Women who want an abortion will be able to more easily cross state lines and you know travel as much i mean you can get in an airplane for a lot less than you could in 1973 so uh let alone other um, gasoline's more expensive but you know so (laughs) (laughs) well the other thing too is you would think the states would be pleased to to actually you know have the control within their own governing structure uh to, to to handle these things if they want to like you know, I think, for example, like DeSantis in Florida is a really good example of a governor. I'm not saying they would all be this way. He seems to enjoy that he's got the power to do some of the things he's doing. And so on the other side of this debate, I would. it seems to me that a Newsom might really like the fact that California is a state that offers this where other states don't. I know that if you're pro-life, that sounds pretty ghoulish, and I apologize, but, but I think from their perspective – that you know they they're offering a thing a service that other states don't offer i mean i mean the counter the, the counterpoint you know i mean obviously if you're directionally pro-life you're going to be happy because you'll be able to do even moderate things that you want to do if you're news you know if you're newsome if you're like a doctrinaire planned parenthood pro-choicer 
you know, I, you do lose the satisfaction of being able to impose your will on the reluctant, ma- you know, on the reluctant masses, which I think, as we have observed in COVID, mm-hmm. is an underrated motivator <laughs> of point. people on the largely on the progressive left. There are some on the on the right, but largely on the progressive left. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I mean, I'm personally, I'm mainly very, I'm, I don't, I'm horrified about the leak, but I, I am pleased about the legislation mainly. I have my personal opinions, but I think just from the perspective of, you know, the legal ramifications, taking it out of the Supreme Court, giving it back to the states is just, just the perfect, that's how things should have been done. It never should have been legislated federally, oh, yeah. in my opinion. I, I would agree entirely. And any final, th- any I final think thoughts? We're heading to some better politics because of it. Um, I, I just like to completely disagree with uh, with the legal genius Adam Schiff. I think I think uh, <laughs> the leak is the big story here. Um, the the decision was going to be the decision. It would have just taken us another few weeks to get it out, and we'd be having the same conversation we just had for the last 15 minutes, but we never would have had the conversation we had for the first 15 minutes. And, uh, that I, yeah, I, I, I think this is, uh, as Mike noted, a, a kind of a January six moment on the judiciary, except unlike January six, where, you know, some, you know, poorly bred hillbillies didn't bring their guns to the revolution and, and kind of, you know, made a threat, but it wasn't really a threat. This really is a possible long-lasting implications uh, assault on the judiciary that uh, I don't think even the side that will cheer this person on is going to like the ramifications of it if a lid isn't put down on this pretty firmly and, and brutally for whoever the leaker turns out to be. I hope they do prison time. All right. Well, thank you again to my colleagues, Sarah Lee and Ken Braun, for joining us. That's our show for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week.